Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the EFL Magazine Business Podcast. This is episode six. Today's guest is Miranda Crowhurst. Miranda has taught English in the UK, Tanzania, and Bolivia. She co-founded Language Connection, a successful language institute in 2016, and is now the ESL segment manager at Twinkle Education Publishing. She is also currently completing her MBA at the University of Birmingham. Had a great fun chat with uh, Miranda, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey, everyone. Buckle up for a new episode of the EFL Magazine Business Podcast the one and only podcast made to help you launch your business or take your existing business to a level of success you could never have imagined. Whether you're a school owner, freelancer, publisher, or other entrepreneur, you're sure to pick up lots of actionable advice when you listen to the EFL Magazine Business Podcast. Remember to visit eflmagazine.com for great articles and features. Without further ado, here's your host, the founder of EFL Magazine, Philip Pound. Welcome back to the EFL Magazine Business Podcast. And today I'm delighted to have Miranda Crowhurst from twinkle.com. Miranda, good morning. Good morning to you. Or evening or night or whenever people are listening to this podcast, we, we don't know. They could be listening undercover or in the in the car or in, in the, on the morning commute. So <laughs> where are you today, Miranda? Where, where do you live? I am in Salt Lake City in Utah in the US. And it's a snowy day today. It's a, it's a snowy day. Yeah, I think it's it's a snowy day in, in lots of places. Here in Tokyo, not so snowy. We had a little bit of rain yesterday, but um, oh. uh, don't often get snow here, maybe once every 10 years. Well, actually five years. But um, tell me a little bit how you ended up in Utah. How What's your backstory? What's your, your background, Miranda? <laughs> so I, I've lived in Tanzania and Bolivia as well, and I'm from the UK, um, but I'm in Utah because my partner lives here. So, um, and his three kids. So, by force of gravity and being outvoted, okay, okay. <laughs> I do, it makes it sound like I don't like it, but I do like it here. And how long have you been living in Utah now? Um, you know, just since September. Oh, oh, really? Very new. Yes. Yeah. And is your background in teaching EFL or I presume right. because you've, you know, lived in all these different places. So. <laughs> That's right. So hmm. I, I, um, I was an ESL teacher for many years and then decided with a friend to start our own English language teaching institute. Oh, and so that's how I kind of transitioned into the, the business side of things almost by accident, I suppose. Ah, okay. So you yeah. didn't tell me about this institute. You're dropping, uh, <laughs> you're, you're dropping secrets here. Um, so tell me a little bit about the institute, how that came about. Uh, so it, it's not the usual route. You didn't just go teaching through some agency, or so you decided to set up an institute. Yeah. What yeah. The- so um, I had been living in Bolivia for three years at the time, and um, you know, one of a, a very, very good friend had, we both had kind of the same idea that, you know what, we could make something really fun, fun for teachers and fun for students. So we decided to both quit our jobs, throw all of our savings into into um, starting a school and we did it and it's going really, really well. Oh, so tell me about the school where did you start it and how many people and how did you how did you start it sure so um we the the institute is in santa cruz in bolivia which is like a which is the lowlands side of bolivia it's very similar to brazil you know sloths and parrots and heat and chaos and all of the fun things that i love and um we we rented a building and started off with two students, I think, on our first day. <laughs> um, so and and just grew it from there and just just kept going until we um but pre-pandemic, you know, it's been awful for everyone, but pre-pandemic we had 500 students. Um and now it's down to 
less than that. <laughs> but we're still going, which I think is successful for for right now. So you put all you put your life savings or your yeah. your savings so far. You, you, mm -hmm. you know, when I, when I hear life savings, I, I I think it's like somebody should be maybe middle aged or oh, older, but you're too young to have life savings. No, that's true. Yeah. I was twenty seven. Yeah, so. twenty seven. <laughs> yeah. We call that maybe early life savings or something. But um, <laughs> so true. you put your money into it. What was mm -hmm. it? The rental of the building, uh, marketing materials. What what did you spend your money on? Um. Yeah, it was. I would say rent, furniture, and books. You know, you have to you have to buy books before you sell them back to students. I think our first semester we decided to give them out for free, which we hadn't really realised how much that would cost us. It was a really bad mistake, but I advise absolutely no one to do. <laughs> but actually, yeah, you know, we the we were I think probably too optimistic and bought too many books. And uh, that was a huge proportion of of our spending for that first first term. Yeah, good question. So, so Santa Cruz um, is it mm -hmm. a uh, global center of uh, ELT? Um, <laughs> why there was, there was there much competition? Or <laughs> hmm. you have to be you have to be seriously optimistic to start a school in Bolivia. Olivia, have you ever heard of, um, this is something that's really useful for entrepreneurs working in different countries. Um, it is called the, um, the World Bank do an index and it ranks every single country by ease of business. And it comes out every year. It's called the ease of business report. And I think the year that we started Bolivia, it was something like, it was right down at the bottom of the table, I think just above like Eritrea and Iran and something because they have they are always having revolutions like all of the time <laughs> there's been there was one like two years ago i think there was basically one last year and <laughs> and it's a socialist country as well and so you know you immediately as soon as you start business you get in all kinds of like it's just incredibly complicated paperwork and yeah so so it's uh, politically Reverence. unstable there's a lot of red tape um there's a lot of bureaucracy yes yeah but but this is a country that is very very much on the up and so you know i think 15 years ago it was a totally different story but you know five years ago there was this huge emerging middle class because of the oil and gas industry that had really taken off and so there was this new market like there hadn't been before and it was a group of people who really wanted like international level of quality of education um, as good as that was I was like, we want this to be as good as you would find in any other country, you know, in Japan or the US or, you know, wherever it was. And there just wasn't that. And so we were able to see that particular niche and really make something specially tailored for those people. Mm. Mm. So it's, it I, I, I remember talking to a TEFL trainer, maybe when I, I did a course, or I can't remember, 15, 20 years ago now, and uh, we we're talking about potential places to, to go. And uh, he said uh, at the time, basically anywhere that has an emerging middle class yeah. is a good place to go teaching. So that's that's kind of your experience as well. Yes, I think, obviously it's, it's always going to be more complicated than that because you, you have to know, you have to see where the gap is in the market, right? I mean, it's such a cliche, but you do, you have to look at, you know, who, what the other language schools are doing and who they're not serving um, and, and go for that. And it might be that, you know, in another city, you would have a different set of institutes and you would say, actually, what we need is something like way out in this neighborhood that we can, you know, focus on people who don't have that much money who want to get into the middle class and who aren't there yet but that was you're right that was our experience mm. so you 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 started out there's two people you you had a building you bought a yes. a lot of books which you gave away free which is great the publishers really <laughs> love you yeah um so you're giving away the books for free and or what who who came to your who came to your school was it was it kids was it 
kind of business people or uh, who were you targeting and who were your students? Yeah, so I think like a lot of language institutes, we had to um, cover those, the three markets of like kids, teens and adults. And, um, but I would say our like, our stalwart customers have been, have been those adults. Um, a lot of them, like you said, you know, their parents had a very, very different life to them. And they've managed to like make it in the city, get a job at an international company, and they just can't advance anymore until they have that level of English. Um, or they really want to study abroad. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's that. And you, we, you had one room, was it? A, a, I'm making it more romantic than it is. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll give you okay, okay. So we we shared a building with um a uh, like an, an education consultancy called Minerva, and we were above them. So we had the top floor of this building. We had three classrooms, and then um well we yeah we had at the beginning we had you know literally just like this empty floor with I think maybe two or three desks in it. And we were kind of like looking very like, hmm, what do we do now? Um, we gradually filled up the two classrooms. And um, then another friend called Luke um, came to join us as, as well and be the third partner in the company. And that's when we were able to use three classrooms and feel a bit, you know, more like a school. Mm. So that's how we got mm. going. Because mm. yeah. uh, I was speaking to a number of people last week, Aihori here in Tokyo and in Simpson as well in in Mie in Japan, and th- when they first started out, the demand was there before the building. So I think Aisan uh, she had uh, she had a, a mothers group and, and got together, and she, her English is fantastic. So they said, mm-hmm. well, "No, why don't you?" Her background is also in in teaching, and uh, so it, it kind of there was a natural, let's say, demand that she mm-hmm. had to fulfill. And she, she bought the classes or she she rented the space. And then, you know, the demand was always there. Also with, mm-hmm. with Ian, Ian Simpson as well, he he had the same experience. He was, he well, not exactly the same. He got free rentals. He got a free rent basically. And uh, he got yes. a part of a building and he got referrals and then he was able to build it from there. But you... You had an outlay at the beginning and you yes. didn't have any students. So yeah. <laughs> ideally, I, 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 that's different, isn't it? You, you had a lot of confidence in. Yeah, I think we, we definitely were very confident and we continued to do that. So we were always expanding and just to see if it would fill. And it always did. And we would always hire teachers almost speculatively to be like, you know, we'll just have these classes and it always worked, you know, sometimes it's a bit of a shuffle around, but you're right. It's really, it's really not the way to do things. I think because we were young and we didn't have any dependence, we could just have this kind of like, we're just going to put everything in and just go for it kind of attitude. Um, but it was hard. I mean, we didn't pay ourselves anything for six months. I don't think we lived, <laughs> we lived in like these tiny back rooms of the school. We didn't have our own like house or space at all we were literally living like (laughs) I'm not going to say like cupboards but like almost cupboards off the side of the building because we really put everything into it so it wasn't it wasn't the easy way but no gotta we're just trying it out seeing what worked but it, but it happened and 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 you expanded and and tell me about marketing so uh, being located above an educational consultancy, there was maybe some referrals coming in, or they were passing some students to you. Was that was that yes, what was so, happening? Yeah, mm. yeah. So we we always had and still have a very symbiotic relationship. So they have a student who comes in who wants to study abroad, doesn't have the qualifications or the level of English. They just go upstairs, and as you know, and and that's great for them as well because those students are going to stay in the building and keep coming back and going to be in their systems. Um, so that worked out really well. But I would say we had two really good marketing strategies. 
the most important one was word of mouth. <laughs> and, and our students, you know, we ended up teaching, you know, one would come in and then their brother would come in and then their dad would come in and then their cousins would come in. And that's what it's like in Bolivia, you know, the family network and that like those neighborhoods and close-knit family groups are how people decide to go to choose things or, you know, whatever. So that was really, really, really important for us. And the second thing is we, um, I think, especially Luke, is incredibly good at networking with well-known people in Bolivia. So we have some, we have some like Bolivian celebrities that um, have agreements with us and they post about their learning journey on their Instagram, for example. Yeah, which is lovely because, you know, it's it's inspiring people to learn and inspiring people to learn as adults, which I think is so it's it's hard. It's really hard to be an adult learning something. And but to watch these people that they really admire, you know, going to class and learning English, I think was great. And um, it helped us a lot, a lot, a lot. Do you have a link? We can put it in the show notes. Anyway, I'm sure what it's on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Oh, yeah. I don't know all, all the usual. <laughs> is it? Yeah. yeah, Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, and mm. we have a website as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I've just got into TikTok in the past past week. I was like, "What's this TikTok thing?" I'm not giving my information. I don't know where this goes. And then I got in the past week. I'm like, "Oh, actually, this TikTok, TikTok's a bit." Uh, bit addictive have you tried tiktok (laughs) (laughs) i'm resisting facebook keeps on sending me like um tiktok videos and i've I've gotten really into the sea shanty ones Mm. oh really (laughs) Uh, uh, actually (laughs) teaching with she sea shanty you see i can't even say it now sea sea (laughs) there you go sea shanties is uh maybe good good idea what do you think about that yeah why not gotta try it you could do the hauling and the climbing up the rigging and everything so we, we, we the spray <laughs> i mean they're very in. <laughs> they're very like rhythmic i'm sure you could like you, uh, the vocabulary is a bit specific yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like, yeah yeah yeah. Mm. yeah maybe. maybe c c c2 level <laughs> vocabulary connected to fishing <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Def- definitely. Now, okay, so um tell me about becoming an entrepreneur. Had you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Do you have a family background in that or what's the no. mm. quite the opposite. I think I was dragged into it almost by my own. So when when I was a teenager, I worked for several small companies. And I always looked at the bosses of these companies and I thought, whoa, I would not run a small business. It is such hard work. I mean, it just is everything to that person. And so I never thought about doing it until I just, it was almost like the opportunity was so perfect. And the team, you know, with my friend, it would be so perfect that I couldn't not do it. You know, it was, it was more like it. So it really wasn't like I was looking for an opportunity. It was more like the opportunity just kind of came to me and I, I couldn't not say yes. Yeah. It had to be done. And I think like that is a really good way to start a business. You know, if you're just like this needs, someone needs to do this and it's either going to be me or it's going to be someone else. So it might as well be. <laughs> yeah so that's how you felt about starting your business first it's like somebody else yeah. is going to do this i have to do it and you know i have yeah. the, and and you 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 naturally i mean you you have energy enthusiasm you're an outgoing person mm-hmm. um so i i had a, a chat i've been having chats about this over the past uh, uh, few weeks uh, about entrepreneurship um is there an entrepreneur personality? Is there a type of person that should be an entrepreneur? Because, you know, traditionally we we thought of entrepreneurs as kind of type A person and very hard driving. And then, of course, the whole geek thing happened with uh, Steve Jobs. And it's, oh, yeah, well, these and, and Bezos and all these guys can become 
uh, entrepreneurs now. How how are we in in entrepreneurship? What kind of people can be entrepreneurs? Who sh- who maybe shouldn't be an entrepreneur? As in, not not personality or person, but maybe a person with a certain attitude to risk or somebody who prefers a little bit more certainty in their lives. Is that, that, is, is that a question or is that a speech? I don't know. But uh, yeah, so tell me about uh, your attitude to entrepreneurship and what kind of people you think should get into it. And Yeah, I think, the, I think all kinds of people can be an entrepreneur. And I think it's really important to know that as a, particularly for women, because I think for a lot of the time when I was setting up the business and when I was doing my MBA, I felt, I felt like I, I, you know, there's that whole like imposter syndrome, like you can't, you can't run a company. Like, what are you doing? Like, you can't do this. And I think that is particularly true of women. (laughs) And so I, I I don't think it's like you have to have this particular personality or something to do it. I think, but I do think you need a good dose of like healthy optimism. And you have to be, I think one of the things I think about a lot is you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. As an entrepreneur, no one's telling you what to do every day. There's no like, clear course of action that someone will give you on a piece of paper you constantly have to be figuring things out and just kind of going for it (laughs) and um I think if you I like I I have quite a high level of anxiety and it's something that like I have to manage a lot because it's it's constant that feeling of instability is constant when you're in entrepreneurship. And if you don't have that feeling of instability, what's going on around me? Like, am I doing the right thing? You're probably on the wrong path because <laughs> you, you, things are always changing, especially right now, right? If the environment is always changing. You're always going to feel, un- feel unstable. But I don't know if that's a personality or more something that you just have to skill that you acquire as you go along. I don't, was that an answer or just a uh, round? <laughs> no, no, that's, that's that's a really good answer. And uh, th- there's a couple of things I wanted to pick up on uh, what you said. And uh, I, apologies for earlier. I said all these guys that had formed these companies. Of course, uh, when I was saying it, I was like thinking, you know, obviously I should mention. But um, I, Hori-san, <laughs> l- last week, she, she um, actually, everybody should listen to her podcast. It's really fantastic, the the. Uh, the challenges she had to overcome in, in starting her business. But he, here in Japan, you know, being a, a woman entrepreneur is, is difficult and especially yeah. from family. So I's experience was she wanted to start a company and her, her, she said the only time her father ever used a mobile phone was, uh, or sorry, if you're in America, mobile phone, uh, <laughs> we use a mobile <laughs> phone is, um, he called her and said, don't start a business. All her family yeah. said, don't do a business. Don't do it. Uh, her husband supported her, but everybody was like, you should just join a company. Um, so that's mm-hmm. the background of what not just entrepreneurship, but a woman entrepreneur in Japan. So you mentioned about a woman being an entrepreneur. What, what are the unique challenges of uh, w- that women entrepreneurs have, do you think? Um, I think one thing is that, I mean, this isn't true of all women, but I think often, like like I said, it's that feeling of like self doubt. Like you can't do this. This isn't your place. You're not. You're not capable. You know. I think we a lot of us have that voice inside of us. And I think you're right. It's about what society sees as sees women doing. And yeah, I was super young. I was 27, <laughs> and my and my business partner was male. And so I think. Sometimes it felt like they customers would think that he was more in charge than me, um, which was not the case. And I think the thing that really made a difference um, is that um, my business partner is incredibly, incredibly supportive, and we all had an equal voice in the business. And over time, I was able to like really overcome those things. 
um yeah okay so so it was that (laughs) is that unique to maybe bolivia that there's a a certain attitude in that way or have you found it different in the us and the uk or i think i think sexism does like manifest itself in different ways in different countries um i think it's probably more noticeable in (laughs) in some ways but um but you know I'm in I'm in Utah. I'm in Salt Lake City, which is like very traditional, <laughs> and like a lot of those values are, you know, you know, people get married here super young and have babies and don't start businesses. <laughs> mm. Okay, so you talked about, uh, we talked to Rachel Roberts last week. That's another podcast you should check out from the EFL Magazine Business Podcast. And Rachel, uh, she's a a therapist and coach. And we talked about imposter syndrome, which uh, um, we won't rename the podcast Imposter Syndrome. But uh, tell me about dealing with imposter syndrome. So some people feel it some and some people don't and rachel made a good point last friday she said uh, or la- last week because we don't know when this podcast is going out so uh rachel made a really good point she said that the people that should feel imposter syndrome don't <laughs> <laughs> and the people that do maybe shouldn't so um a what's your opinion about imposter? What does it feel like? How does it affect you? How do you deal with it? Um, What's a good way to manage imposter syndrome? Okay. How does it feel like? It feels like the success that you've had is just going to collapse at any second because it wasn't real in the first place. And because you are fundamentally incompetent and at any second, everyone's going to realize. (laughs) And it's only you who sees how incompetent you are. And, And yeah, it's just this constant anxiety that, that you're a fraud somehow. (laughs) um it's not fun (laughs) it's not it's not fun but you know a a lot of let me give you an example let me give you an example Mm. so been doing my MBA I've done a year and a half I've gotten amazing marks in every single module there was one exam that I did uh one it was an it was like a little mini essay and I really didn't I did like pretty poorly on that one exam and when I got the mark my immediate thought was, oh, they finally realized I'm terrible. <laughs> you know, like finally, this proves that every single other grade, the like the 20 others that I've done, they were just flukes. And this is my real level. Which when you think about it, doesn't like that's not <laughs> that doesn't make much sense, you know. But that's I would say that's an example of imposter syndrome. And then of course you feel awful and and yeah Mm. so the curtain comes back and there's a there's a little guy running everything there's no wizard (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's that kind of feeling but a lot of successful entrepreneurs they they talk about imposter syndrome so is is it is it a way to fuel entrepreneurship is it, it, it it's kind of grist for the mill i think the way in which the way that i try to deal with it is i try and imagine myself as a friend if that makes sense and like what would you say to a friend who has done all of these amazing things and is feeling like this what would you say to that person and what you find is what you would say to your best friend or your brother or your sister or someone else who's going through what you're going through is kind and supportive and it's not like the voice that you give to yourself which is critical and kind of mean (laughs) so I try and whenever I can I try and get out of that like critical like oh you're such an idiot like voice and try and be like no it's okay that didn't go perfectly or and 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 that I think is um is is trying to change that self-talk and make it more productive and make it kind and I think you know in that yeah 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so dealing with imposter syndrome, be kind, offer yourself a little bit of space and be, be a good friend to yourself. Exactly. Um, be a good friend to yourself. I remember reading, if you've ever read that book, it's kind of a classic of uh, visualization. It's cyber, 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 I can't say anything this morning. Cyber, cybernetics. No, psycho-cybernetics. That's what it's called. Um, But it was uh, basically written by Maxwell Maltz. I think he was a cosmetic surgeon, plastic surgeon in in the 50s. And so basically he had a lot of... uh, people that came in they were involved in accidents and uh, some people were affected uh, mentally by you know disfigured by being disfigured and and some people weren't so he he investigated the whole background as to why people you know it, it's not the cosmetic thing it's it's actually deeper down but it, it's a long book it's it's interesting book but one thing uh, which i i really remember was uh, he said, imagine a good friend, a mentor, a wise person in your life that comes along and gives you good advice and, you know, tells you, you, you can do it. He says, be that person to yourself. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so come along and say, you know, I, I can do it. And actually it does work. You know, it, it, it does help a lot. So you mentioned MBA. It does. And oh, so, apart from anything yeah. else, it just makes the whole experience much nicer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, be, give ourselves a break. So uh, MBA, what, what, uh, what, why do an MBA? Why do you feel you needed an MBA? Because you, uh, we, I, I think, I hope in, in the future, we're going to talk a, a lot more about MBA, but this is a, a great mm. start um, mm. about MBA. Uh, some people never have MBAs. Some people have MBAs, but they end up working for companies. They're not really entrepreneurs. So mm. I'm fascinated as to, are you, you're, have you finished MBA? Are you completing? I have, I'm doing it part-time. It's mm. taken two and a half years and mm. I've done a year and a half. So I've okay. got a year, less than a year to go now. Okay. Yeah. okay. It is a long run. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're enjoying it? I am enjoying it. It's, it's hard work and it takes a lot of self-discipline to do it every day. And that's the main thing is you just have to do it every single day. It's just sit down and study. Um, but I, I'm learning so much. And yeah, I, I don't know. I'm a big geek. Oh, I, I, like I enjoy learning anything. <laughs> so, so I love being in education and, and finding out more about, about business and entrepreneurship. So yeah, it's great. So, so, uh, about doing an MBA, so the the modules. Wh- which modules did you, you know, naturally gravitate towards? Which were like, oh, I'll have to work a little bit harder. This it's sure. Um, so the modules I've really enjoyed so far. Um, business and society was a great one. Um, talking about how to find that, and it's something like I am just incredibly passionate about, and will go on for days about just how good businesses benefit society and make the world a better place, and how that, you know, that aligning of interests can be so powerful. And anyway, I will go on about it for days. <laughs> so that I love economics. I'm super keen on economics. I think it's fascinating how, like, how you can look at what people want and what they'll trade for that and the complex ways in which economics is so like beautifully illogical and fascinating i've Um, never i've never heard anybody (laughs) sell economics like you have yeah i love economics because normally okay so it's so interesting we all love Um, economics now sorry go ahead go ahead but the one the one that was a real slog for me was finance and accounting because i am not good at logical thinking (laughs) and like having things in straight lines and it's just numbers numbers but i did it i'm really glad i did but if it's finance and accounting if it's your money you become very focused <laughs> that's true that's true yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah i think i think naturally uh or you know we we have a, a certain we have a certain personality and maybe same here finance accounting is not really something i'm but 
you, you get to like it, don't you? And, and looking at balance sheets, you're like, oh, okay, I can see how this works. And, you know, it's uh, gradually you begin to look at it and you say, okay, th this company is working. Th this company is in trouble, you know, by just looking at the figures. It's it's kind of fascinating, yeah. really. Mm. I, I hate it less. Mm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <Now>. <laughs> and the, the super interesting thing, I remember our tutor saying, he's like, the the way that you write a financial report about a company is kind of like to people it's almost like painting a picture and different accountants can make the same thing look so many different ways and you know certain u.s politician has got into trouble for this recently but it you know it's really interesting how that can be done and and picking that apart you know and seeing it for what it is so i did enjoy that bit Okay, and and why MBA? What what uh, what benefits do you think it, it will bring to you? And uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about your future plans. And of course, we're going to talk about Twinkle.com as well. Um, yes. Please hold hold <laughs> hold on to your seats. Um, so so yeah, wh why MBA? Why did you decide to? So um, I wanted to come and live. Um, you know, either in you know. I, I was leaving Bolivia and I knew that I needed to somehow transfer the success that I'd had with language connection in Bolivia and transfer those skills to something else outside. And I think an MBA was a way that I could reflect on what I'd done and be like, okay, why did that work? How, what did I, what did we do that was, that made just good business sense and how can I build on these skills? So, and it, to be honest, like, I, I always like doing things that scare me a little bit. <laughs> like it was, it was, all, it was imposter syndrome. It was like, you can't study an MBA. Like you're not qualified to do that kind of thing. And you, and me talking back and be like, no, I can do it. And even I kind of want to do it because it's scary because it's going to be a massive challenge. So, and that's exciting for me. Mm. Okay. Uh, excellent. So uh, <laughs> oh, you, you spoke a little bit about imposter syndrome again and i think a part of entrepreneurship is is about people you network with people you hang around with isn't it that that's the the, the peer group how how people give each other ideas work off each other and energy and you know enthusiasm um i i remember a case uh, i'll try to make this as vague as possible but i was leaving my job uh, i was going to china at the time this is maybe two about 10, 11 years ago, and everybody's, oh, yeah, you're going to China. Oh, that's great. Uh, good luck. And I was, I was feeling buoyed by all this. And one person said to me, why are you going there? So, and, and, you know, <laughs> it's it's like all these people are like, oh, that's a great idea. I'd love to be able to do it. I'm, uh, I have a mortgage, all these things. And uh, one person said, well, wh why are you going there? And, th and that actually was more powerful than maybe 20 people. Uh. You know how it is. So, yeah. so tell me a little bit about having a good peer group in in your life. How how does that work? Do you have a mastermind uh, group, or do you have uh, like regular kind of networking events, meetings, or? So that is one of the really cool things about working for Twinkle. So um, we, the founder of Twinkle, who is John Seaton. Within the company, he made this area called the Hive. And within the Hive, the Hive is basically, um, it's an incubator for new businesses and for internal entrepreneurs within the business. And so as soon as I got to Twinkle, there was this built-in network of people with this incredible entrepreneurial mindset that and we've, we've all become great friends and we are constantly like every single day bouncing ideas off of each other and talking about what's possible and what we're doing and what works and what could be fun. And, and that is just absolutely fantastic. And of course, working for John, who is this incredibly successful entrepreneur, someone who I admire so much for their, but I don't know how he does it, but he just has this ability to just be very clearly what's going on and make very like sometimes really hard decisions but really good decisions um about what needs to be done for the company I think is totally inspiring and 
helps me every single day. Actually, it brings someone to mind once you say that, and, and it's it's this super super human ability that is like, oh, okay, this will this will work, and they 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 see right into it. I'm like, well, yeah, where where does this come from? Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about working for Twinkle. What's the the background to to the company? What what do you do? And uh, we'll, we'll move on to the entrepreneur in residence. And uh... <laughs> sure, sure. So um, Twinkle was founded ten years ago in Sheffield by uh, John and Susie Seaton, and she was a teacher and couldn't find resources to help her teach, and so they just decided to start a website and. Um, and make teaching resources that would be available online. And since then, it's just expanded massively. They We have over 7 million subscribers now oh. to Twinkle. Wow. <laughs> 7 million, wow. <laughs> 7 million, yeah. Um, we have this huge range of like, it's not just resources anymore, it's like educational apps and programs and schemes of work and yeah this year in particular has been amazing we've been able to partner with you know the BBC for example Netflix Champions League I mean just some of the biggest names in the world to make education possible in classrooms and at home um so yeah it's an amazing company and I feel really I was going to say lucky to work for it, but maybe that's imposter syndrome. Mm, no, no. But I have a great time working for it. I feel really proud that I work for the company. Mm, yeah. mm. And uh, it, it is right to say uh, entrepreneur in residence. Is that your title? That yeah. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and also segment manager in a kind of more practical way. Um, so the idea is that um, Twinkle has there's a lot of different people who come to twinkle for help and for resources um some of them are parents some of them are child minders or um trainee teachers or home educators um and some of them are english language teachers so our job as entrepreneurs in residence is to really cater for a specific market and build up um what twinkle has and 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 help people in that segment find us, if that makes sense. Um, and we're entrepreneurs and residents, and it means we get a whole ton of freedom in deciding what we do. Um, we're basically allowed to build our market and build our product however we see fit, um, which is amazing fun, as you can imagine. Mm, mm. It's uh, it really is. And uh, the, the side is Twinkle, T-W-I-N-K-L, is that right? Yeah, twinkle.com. So uh, what markets are you... So yours is the EFL, ESL space. So what else uh, does the company focus on? So um, in in the UK, it would be Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2 teachers and EYFS, like early years. Um, but there's actually resources from, like I'm talking pregnancy. <laughs> so resources, you know, help for people who from like pre-childbirth all the way up to um, 18-year-olds. Um, so teacher, like I said, teachers, parents, um, private tutors, home educators, all kinds of people. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so tell me about, uh, about some lessons you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey. We won't go back to the sh- sea shanties again, but um, we will uh, <laughs> entrepreneurial journey. Tell me about uh, mistakes you've made and things. Oh, you know, don't do that. If if I were you, I wouldn't do that. Uh, yeah. What what uh, tales do you have to? Okay, I would say one really important thing is knowing your customer really, really, really well. I think some people start a business because they think they have a fantastic idea. And maybe it is a fantastic idea. But if it's not answering a problem that people have, if they don't and if they don't see that it's answering a problem that they have it's not going to get anywhere so no matter how great your idea is 
it's not the focus. Your product is not the focus. Your focus is the customer. Everything is about them. Um, that's and it's that sounds like a small thing, but it if you constantly are shifting your mindset to think about the customer, then it is different. So that's one thing I would say. Another thing, I think, especially in the English language teaching world, is if you're employing people, you're employing teachers you have to really care for the people that you employ. Teaching is a caring job. You know, teachers are constantly giving their emotional energy to their students. And if they do not feel cared for by the administration, they're not going to be able to do their job well. And so really looking after people in your, in your company, I think is super, super, super important as well. So, I mean, and that's it really. And, and if you think about it, both of those things comes back to the same thing. It's stop thinking about how great the product is and start looking around you at the people who you're interacting with and focus on them. You know, whether that's the customer or your employee or, or your, you know, your business partner, whoever that is, you know, that is the focus of your life. That's the reason why you're doing anything. So that. <laughs> okay okay so um it, it, it's a good point uh so no knowing knowing the customer um from the chats we've had over the past few weeks there's you know one is it, in the business books they talk about customer avatar don't they it's like you build a person you give them a name and age yeah. how they look where they shop what their preferences are and and that's that's one way and another mm-hmm. is maybe beta testing i talked to chris jagasia a few weeks ago and uh beta testing and get people to come back and to, to, uh, to criticize it and you know constantly be in contact with them so um so mm-hmm. focus on customer how tell me yeah another you one. have something okay okay mm. let me give you an example mm. so one of the things i have to do a lot in my job because okay let's face it like at the moment how does anyone interact they interact on social media <laughs> that's the only thing going on at the moment so i spend a lot of my time looking at and and my customers are um psl teachers right so i spend a lot of time on facebook having a look seeing what they're talking about and the other week i noticed that there was um someone had shared a qr code and they were like i love this qr code because every time I put my phone to it, it plays the hallelujah chorus. And my students love it, you know, because it's just this little sound and you can go, hallelujah, hallelujah, like that. And people love that idea. So when I saw that, I thought, this is awesome. I would use that. And I know a ton of ESL teachers, you know, I've got my like customer avatar in my mind. I'm like, they would use this resource. So let's take this idea and let's make it better than they have imagined it could be. So what we end up making was this online DJ set of sounds. So it's a PowerPoint and it's just got like four or five pages in it that plays everything from like a round of applause to someone shouting goal to like cheesy drums to like the sound of a chicken and (laughs) the sound of a train going past and all of these things that teachers can use while they're teaching online just to make it more fun and more interactive and just another level of something that they can do with their students. So it's, you focus on the customer, you see a problem and you make a solution that's better than they had, they could do themselves. Gotcha. Okay. So you think of an idea and you just improve it. You make it better. (laughs) You you give it the wow factor. Yeah. (laughs) You give it the wow factor and you make it, fun um and and that's i think that is something that you have to think about as well right it's what problem are you actually solving the problem that you're solving is teachers want to have fun when they're teaching english and that is really 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 hard at the moment so everything you have to remember that okay we're going to make this resource and it has to have all the practical elements but what it really has to have above anything else is just let's put a fart sound in it (laughs) <laughs> mm, yeah yeah exactly i get well what do they call the the soundboard is it and you just click on the different things and you yeah go, oh, i'll oh. share it with you it's really yeah cute. please yeah you, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes yeah there you go the, the, the really nice thing is you can just ask people what they want and they'll tell you 
So as soon as I had this idea, I was like, guys, we're going to make this online DJ set of sounds um, on Facebook, send out a message. What would you, what sounds would you use in your ESL classroom? And of course, then teachers reply and with a ton of ideas that I would never have thought of. And so what you're built doing is you're co-creating the product with the customer almost. And by building it together with their input, you're making something far better than have made myself hmm. so for somebody listening uh to the podcast entrepreneur maybe skull small uh business owner and they're looking for cost-effective marketing tricks maybe if that's if that's the right word uh, uh so using qr codes flyers social media give, give me something that might work from your experience in running a school and bouncing ideas off other entrepreneurs so so I really hope Google and Facebook aren't listening to this because there's been a lot of a lot of research that's come out recently that shows that paid advertising on those sites does not really work. <laughs> and Google and Facebook have desperately tried and proved that it works because their whole business model is built on that. And they they need companies to pay but in actual fact if you if you have a look at the numbers uh, Procter and Gamble did this incredible study um eBay have done it um it doesn't really work <laughs> so I think paid online advertising giving money to Google and Facebook is something that I would probably avoid and instead of that I would say number one create content that is worth sharing don't say, oh, um, we're, a, we're a company that can do this for you. Just do it for your customer in a way online and they will know that you can do it <laughs> and they'll tell their friends about it. So, for example, it's no use me saying, um, oh, Twinkle, we have lots of games, so come to Twinkle. It's more use if I make a video that's like, hey, this is, this, this is an amazing game that you can play. Teach, teach teachers how to play it. And then be like, and there's more twinkle. Does that make sense? Yeah, certainly. So it's show, <laughs> don't tell. Show, don't tell. Yes, mm. do. Be active, you know, be, um, and, and, and bring that like personality and a little bit of edge to the, to what you're doing, because people don't want to interact with a brand that they've never heard of. They want to interact with the person, you know, and I think that's really powerful. And then the other thing that, um, is really important is if you can search engine optimization, which um, will, if you can get, if you can get um, the right content up, will provide a really steady stream of people who can find out about you. Yeah, so I would say that much more than paid. And and you brought up a really good point about. Uh having people or getting people to know about your business. So this, uh, I worked for a newspaper in the past and I think one of the, you know, I, I dealt with a lot of people who wanted to get their name out there and they're saying, this is who, this is me. This is my company. This is what I can do. And you should come to me. I'm, you know, um, but, but nobody is interested in that. Exactly. You know, we're, we're not, you, we're not going to read, oh, oh, Bob, <laughs> Bob X is uh, is running this company and he's great and he is all these backgrounds. Like I don't care. It's like what has it got to do with me? Exactly. Yeah. What's in it for me? Isn't that yeah. it? Really? We're we're all like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. so much. So, uh, and I think is it share something that's maybe so, so like the little soundboard that you have something that's that has utility, you know, has some yeah. use and it's fun and yeah. uh, you know it, it people will share it. Yeah, exactly. Something that you can instantly see relates to your life. I mean, I feel bad. I feel like I'm telling you, like I know what I'm doing, but I, I it's I'm constantly figuring these things out. You know, it's these are all things that I'm learning. Mm, sure. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I've, been, <laughs> I've been talking to other entrepreneurs about this, and I think uh, maybe I didn't mention it on the podcast, uh, but if I did, apologies for repeating it, but I, I repeat myself all the time anyway. But <laughs> uh, I was 
Duncan Bannantyne, which who you probably know from Dragons Den in the UK, uh, for for those in in other countries, uh, I think the Dragon the Dragons Den uh, franchise has gone all over the world, except for it's US. Shark Tank, shark, isn't it? Shark, US, shark Tank, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it, I think it was a follow up program to uh, for the entrepreneurs that didn't get investments but became successful anyway and there was one for a hair defrizzer detangler one guy mm-hmm. had, had a really good idea but he didn't get investment and duncan went to see him a, a few years later and uh, he, he d- was doing really well uh he'd, he'd kind of nailed down a lot of the, the problems that he'd had and uh he said you know, all the people in the den, all the entrepreneurs, they, they say they know everything about business, but nobody knows everything about business. We're all no. learning every day. Yeah. You know, yes. so. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as you have figured it out, the next day, everything's changed anyway. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and the, the COVID situation, oh, what's going to happen? Uh, the, the whole business paradigm is completely turned upside down, isn't it? And how having your crystal ball and through MBA and so what's where is EFL ESL going in COVID that's a possible question isn't it but that is a great question before I answer it though I want to say that I think that is an area where Twinkle made an amazing decision and an amazingly brave business decision so when lockdown happened in the UK um the CEO John just decided we we will make our entire product absolutely free for the next few months, which is like an incredibly like, you know, if you have 500 employees who all need a paycheck every month and all of the other expenses to make everything free is incredibly bold, but it, it was absolutely the right thing to do. And it was so good for the company. Um, so I think I really, really, really hope that we'll see more things like that in future, where companies are brave enough to do what's right, even when it seems like an impossible step to take. I, and I hope we'll see more socially conscious companies as well. I I think the one thing that will really change, and well, that's already changed, I think, in a huge way, is that you're going to have many, many more schools offering, like university level or college level, offering courses completely online. And so, an international level of of um, an international level qualification from, you know, let's say a British university or a US university, it's going to be much, much, much more attainable for someone who is living in, you know, in Chile or um, <laughs> think of other countries, Sri Lanka, Madagascar, wherever it is. And so I think that there will be, um, more of a it will make even more sense for people to learn English and especially right now with how connected teenagers are online um with games with TikTok I think we'll see students starting to gain a level of awareness of English even earlier and um, hopefully even more of a demand for lessons fingers crossed that would be nice (laughs) <laughs> so, so one of your passions is the the social side of uh, entrepreneurship and business. So, corporate mm-hmm. social responsibility, all these yeah. areas. So, so when we think of corporate social responsibility, it's the big C, isn't it? We think the corporate, and it's uh, this company is going to sponsor this person, and it's all you know they they put it on a sign in some de- developing country. But yeah. let's say for a smaller company, medium sized company, and they want to have some social responsibility, how how can they go about that? What's what's a road? What's a way for sure? And I think so. The term like corporate social responsibility, I think, is kind of. Like you said, it's in that quagmire of like, oh, we're an evil company. But don't worry, we'll like we'll send a few thousand dollars to like some random orphanage, and like it's all fine because that evens out. Um, and it doesn't. 
And um, I'm going to say it was Michael Porter, such a rock star in the business world, an incredible thinker on, um, on business and on strategy. He said, no, you know what? Companies make, companies make money when they do th- something that's good for society. There shouldn't be a trade-off. Mm. Does that make Yeah, no, no, ab- absolutely, like, absolutely, yeah. CSR shouldn't be something that you do on the side. It should be ingrained in everything that you do. I think the way that um, small businesses can, and, and I think small businesses often don't feel like they have the luxury to do something like that. They're like, we're just struggling to survive. We're three people here. We don't know much about strategy. We're just trying to get by. Um, but small businesses do play a really, really, really big part in society. And I think one of the small things that, one of the things that small business can do is stakeholder mapping. So thinking about who is affected by the decisions that we make. And it is, and, and who, and who should we be consulting about it? And it might, I think, in a small family run business, it might be, you know, one person makes a decision and then kind of tells everyone else what's going to happen. But it might be that you actually want to talk and get some feedback from some, you know, some thoughts from your, your physical neighbors in the shop next door, um, you know, from the neighborhood, from, um, from businesses that are affected by your business, from your customers, from your employees before you make a decision. Um, and thinking about, who's affected and how in a much more kind of logical, complete way. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. And it's very much uh, what we spoke about earlier about, uh, you know, having your business serve other people rather than the other way around. And it's, it's about customer avatar and it's about what we talked about. You're starting the school in Bolivia and working with the families. So it's, it's very much a core of what you do. It's, it's Mm -hmm. not a tacked on at the end as, as some sort of a, you know, cosmetic exercise to make your company look better. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's integral to. Yeah. Because otherwise, like, I'm sorry, but what is the point? You know, what is the point of making a business that makes you a ton of money and leaves the world a worse place? I'm not, I'm like, I'm not interested. I'm, that's not a worthwhile way to like, that I would want to spend my life. So it's, you know, businesses are just cool projects really. And you have to fund them. So you make them a business. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll be winding it up in, in just a, a couple of moments. Um, it, it's been great. We're talking to Miranda Crowhurst and uh, she, Miranda's uh, uh, entrepreneur in residence at twinkle.com. And, and what's the name of your school in Bolivia? I, I never asked. Uh, That's language connection. Language connection. Okay. Yes. In Santa Cruz. In, in That's Bolivia. right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the future for you and for Twinkle? <laughs> Twinkle is, I am so excited to see what's going to happen with Twinkle over the next few years as we become even more international and um, build on what we're doing now and launch all of these cool things. There's so much going on. It amazes me every single week. Um, I really hope that ESL will become an even bigger part of Twinkle and that we'll be able to offer more and, and build our team within, within the company. I think that would be super exciting. And then in the long term, who knows? The trouble with starting businesses is it's kind of addictive. You know, you start to see opportunities everywhere and you think like, hmm, that would be fun. That would be nice. Um, what about this? <laughs> um, so I think, but I think the way that I did it the first time was right. It was almost like I had to, I did it because the opportunity was there. So I'm open to that, you know, if it ever happens again. Right, if the right people were there, if the right opportunity was there, I don't know what that would be yet. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, wait and see. So, Miranda, uh, what's uh, what's a good way to get in contact with you if if people? So, we're going to be posting this on on the group, the the Facebook group, and uh, 
on the EFL magazine page and Instagram and all the uh, maybe TikTok as well. Who knows? Uh, all, all the usual, but there's no video. Maybe just I, I can do a little improvised dance. Yeah, there. well, I, um, we I, can I don't play know. it in the background uh, with the arms or something like this. And uh, for those of those, I'm I'm twirling my arms at the moment because this. Is, yeah, uh, we're we, both we doing be showing the video. Dancing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so can people, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Is it through Twitter sure. or, or email or what, if sure. people want to ask some, some questions? Oh, or, I, mm. to be honest, you know, the nice thing is there are hardly any Miranda Crowhurst. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you just Google Miranda Crowhurst, you'll probably find me somewhere. I'm, I'm on Twitter as like Miranda Crowhurst because I didn't figure out how a Twitter handle works until too late. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as Miranda Crowhurst. You can join the Facebook um, Twinkle group, which is um, Twinkle ESL Resources and Teacher Community. And um, yeah, yeah. And I and if you're an ESL teacher, sign up to Twinkle and get a bunch of free resources. Why not? Okay. <laughs> so on that note, everybody, um, thank thank you very much for uh, joining us today, Miranda Crowhurst. And, oh, thank you so uh, much. Thank you. And see you all next time. Thanks for listening to the EFL Magazine Business Podcast with Philip Pound. For more great advice and resources, check out EFLMagazine.com. If you found this podcast helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you next time.